You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Here we go. We are live. What was and that that's sound? it. And that's, that's it for the season. That's a wrap. Just what how we that? drew it up. Did you just yep. deflate something? Is that what that is? That the, <laughs> yeah. That's his I entry did. every night. Okay. That was the <laughs> deflating of the season that you heard. The Boston Celtics are playing for bigger things, and those bigger things begin on Tuesday. We know this now, right? Yes. We know this. The Celtics <laughs> will play the Wizards in the play-in game. That was established today. Um, Celtics played, um, I guess, you know, people wearing Celtics basketball. uniforms played a basketball game today. It really wasn't representative um, of uh, what you're going to see going forward. Uh, no Tatum, no Nia, no Smart, no Kemba, no Tristan. Um Obviously, no, no Jalen, but that's not going to yeah. happen. No Bob. Um, so that's where we are, uh, and that's where we shall remain. Uh, we'll get some takeaways from the game. Jimmy, why don't you lead us through? Um, yeah, this was one of those games where you just knew that they were going to come up short in the end, as they have for most. No, I'm just kidding. Guys, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I missed this entire game. So I'm, Guys, I'm, nobody I'm really watched this no game. I'm no help on, I... on the breakdown of this game. I Bobby kept a close. A I kept a close eye on it, but I was watching the Hornets. I was I was in a different place too for most. Okay, of Okay, if there's one thing we learned today, um, if you played a lot of minutes today, that doesn't <laughs> bode well for what you're going to be doing in the playoffs. Okay? This is like preseason game four of the NFL yeah. season, right? <laughs> if you played a lot today, that means you're not going to play a lot going forward. Yeah, and 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 they were led in minutes by Romeo Langford. Um, so it is what it is. I actually was, you know. The fact that Neesmith played very, not few, but relatively few minutes. You couldn't play zero because he didn't have enough bodies. Mm-hmm. But seeing Neesmith and Pritchard kind of on the lower end of the scale definitely tells you they're in the circle of trust and will be playing some they, they're gonna, minutes. They're going to practice tomorrow, too, which I'm glad yeah. to see. Yeah. So well, they I'm need it. Little, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at, guys. We got the Wizards. All right. We can talk about this game, spirited, whatever, you know, like good job for the kids, kudos. Uh, if some stuff comes up, we'll always circle back. But the big story, of course, is this. Uh, Wizards rally, beat the Hornets, um, and that's who the Celtics play. They push their way into the eighth seed. Charlotte bumps all the way down to the 10, right? And they're playing at Indiana for the ninth seed. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Charlotte could have had a 
friggin' easy pass where just you you beat this dead ass Celtics team and then you're in the playoffs as a seven seed. Now they got <laughs> yeah. now they got to win on the road twice. So they 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 missed an opportunity. Wizards come in here little banged up. We've got some Bradley Beal situations to monitor uh, here as well as he kind of came back from injury. But apparently, uh, the Twitter sphere said he didn't look good. But guys, opening thoughts here on the Wizards matchup is this was this I guess of all the possible draws is this the one you wanted or is this the one you feared? This is the worst one. This is the yeah. worst that could have happened. When it rains, it pours. Like we were saying this week after week with the Celtics team. And what a way to end the season, of course. Not even, I'm not talking about the loss. I'm talking about this matchup overall. Um, this doesn't, I mean, for Bradley Beal, for superstars going at it, we're going to get one heck of a game. Don't get me wrong. I don't think this is a matchup where the Celtics are completely overmatched to the, to the fact that they're down by 20 with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Celtics going to fight. I, I think they have that much in them. Jason Tatum has shown that much. And, of course, this is the big stage. This this is the time when he's supposed to perform at a high level. But, you know, between him and Kemba, I, I'm expecting a humongous game from both of those guys. And I'm almost going to go out on a limb and say, if that doesn't happen, this team doesn't win. There's no way this team knocks off Russell Westbrook Hot, you know, the way he's been playing lately, Bradley Beal, bang, banged up or not, these guys are inspired, and especially Russell Westbrook. You know, this is sort of his time where he likes to uh, prove everybody wrong who, who's had a false narrative about him, you know, throughout the course of the regular season. So, yeah, the Celtics are in trouble. This is this is not good. This is, this is, this is the worst they're not, thing. They're not happen. in trouble. They're not in trouble at all. And if you guys were here, and I read it yesterday, they Vegas considers them to miss the playoffs plus 400 they think it's a long shot that this team loses. That's, this first of all, tournament. that's not that long considering they have to lose twice. And second, it's not a bad bet. It's a great bet. I think I said I want to hear. I still want to hear from you guys. I've been asking you, is anybody I'm, here going to say it? Is any of you here going to pick them to lose? Well, it's Listen, not picking them to lose, but Jimmy, you go. I, I've, I've yeah, had my say. Go ahead, Jimmy. I think that's an interesting way to start your take, but go ahead, Jimmy. <laughs> Yeah, right. So talking about Vegas. I, I, I think yeah, right. I think the Wizards is is the the problem with the Wizards is they can they can outscore you. So if you if the Celtics want to get into a scoring battle with them, I think they will lose that. If they don't play defense and show up and make it difficult for you know the two headed beast there, Beal and Beal and Westbrook, I, I do think the Celtics lose in this game. I mean they've we've seen them lose to this team before, so they certainly know how to. And this was before the Wizards even got hot and went on that stretch. Now, they're not as hot as they were when they were ripping off wins back in April. They're not at that level of hotness. But I always get worried when the playoffs start, if you're not trending in the right direction, typically you're not long for the playoffs. And that that's in any sport. The hot teams go further. We saw it last year with Miami. We've seen it in the past with – I mean, you can go you can even go look at football and, like, the Patriots, you know, run into a hot Giants team when they lose twice. You know, it doesn't mean the Giants were better than the Patriots, but they were playing better at the time. And that's what it comes down to in the playoffs, the team that's – clicking on all cylinders, that's playing team basketball, that's, you know, doing what it takes to win. And that's what these Wizards are doing. The Wizards and the Celtics are completely, they might be one seat away from each other, but they're completely different ends of the spectrum in terms of why, like, what their mindset is going in this game. The Wizards are ecstatic to be there. They're riding momentum. They're riding all the positive vibes. And the Celtics are limping in. You know, guys are hurt. They've, you know, they've, you know, they've missed expectations and they're, they're almost lucky to be where they are, you know, all things considered. So when Bobby tells me, oh, Vegas is this, Vegas is that, plus 400, I mean, honestly, I think that's a good bet because if you're, if you're Wizards, Wizards versus Celtics. It's good odds, but it's not going to happen. If you're Wizards versus Celtics, that's closer to a toss-up than I think people think. It's going to be, I think it's going to be, Celtics are going to be favored in the game, but I don't know what the line is, but if I had to guess four and a half, something like that, 
I'm not a big spread. And then all of a sudden, you get I, I, I'm going to call this one two and a half. I am curious what it is. But I mean, it's just yeah, based on how the two teams are playing. Points. Wizards are 15 and five over their last 20. Celtics are 10 and 10. It's one team has basically been playing 500 ball for literally 60 games. And the other team right. absolutely shot out of a yeah, cannon after they were left for dead and playing much, much better basketball. Yeah, but John, this kind of matchup, though, it's not a it's yeah, of course, to a certain extent, especially in this situation, it has to do with the momentum for the team. But we're talking about individuals, though. It, this, this isn't a series, right? They, they, they just have to win one. So I just I mean, the Celtics, I, they're, they're not doomed, but I, I just no. But like, there's two there's two problems. They have to here. win one, but is that a good thing? I'd like them better in a series. I think I, I would too. That's the thing. The one the the puncher's chance. They, they have to win one. They have to win one out of two, and they're any almost better. Any team can win. Any You're team can win one game. First, yeah. They're, 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 there's there's multiple issues. First of all, one you wonder whether you've got like a team that doesn't give a crap whether they win or don't win because they recognize they're not getting much further than that. When the expectations are high and you're like, oh, God, I got to win this play-in game just to get wiped out by friggin' Philly or Brooklyn or whatever, mm. that's a that that's a, a kind of – that works against the Celtics where Washington would be like, look what we did. Bigger deal for those two. Bigger deal for Bigger deal. definitely them, definitely Charlotte, who were like, nobody thought we were making the playoffs and we're in the tournament. So those teams have a lot to play in, and that's who they're going to be facing one, two. Number two – Yes, the Celtics rested players. We have no idea if Williams, Robert Williams plays, what Marcus Smart looks like, assuming he does play, coming back. So there's a couple of wild cards there as well. In addition to being out Jalen, you don't know how healthy Marcus is. You don't know if Rob's playing at all. If you enter this game with a hobbled Marcus and no Rob, are you telling me the Celtics are the team you would pick? I would absolutely, absolutely not. I mean... That's Beal's three. hurt too. That's I have way to stand. The, Be the Beal thing could be a factor, yeah. um, and we'll see what he is. But at the end of the day, people are tweeting about him not playing great or not looking great. He still played 35 minutes today. So he, he had a strong closing stretch. The first yeah. half, he was a disaster. He finished 8 of 27, made it through 35 minutes, like you said. So he's healthy enough to be out there, but he didn't move well. And he ha had a hard time getting a shot under him for large stretches of this yeah. game. And for a team as thin as they are when it comes to like real deal scorers, Ish Smith went off. That was really what drove them over the Lopez. finish line. That's a guy who has killed the Celtics in the past, too. So. I, I get what Joe Sway is saying. Like, this is a scary team that's really challenged the Celtics at times this year, destroyed them in D.C., gave them that good run in that Beal-Tatum duel that was one of my favorite games this year. And they're going to be incredibly challenging to defend. They're one of the best offenses in basketball. Uh, and Westbrook, just the intensity he plays in in that kind of environment. I get why people are worried about this game in particular. But even if you lose... You still get that second shot against Indiana, Charlotte, and then you're on the Philly, which is actually probably what you would prefer out of the two opponents that you could possibly see here between Brooklyn and Philly. Um, you think so, so, like it's tough. I said yesterday, like playing Philly would be like drowning, and playing Brooklyn would be like falling out of a building. Like it's you're kind of splitting hairs there, but you have a chance to steal some games against Philly in their drop defense, and um, you know just the kind of stuff that they do. I feel like. Brooklyn would just light them up for four straight games and it'd be over real quick. So it's yeah, I, I think I think everyone would rather play. <laughs> anyone would rather play Philly. I mean, if you want to have puncher's chance, you you say you, you take your chances with Philly. There is that mental aspect of it. For some reason, the Celtics, you know, have had Philly's number. Yeah, they don't have Brown now, so it's almost like 
what are, you know, who cares at this point, but if they had Brown and a fully healthy, you get you get a lot of open jump shots against Philly. And that's something that can work for Boston. I can't watch Embiid. First of all, it's going to suck watching them lose, but I can't watch Embiid shoot 20 free throws a night. (laughs) That's why it's like drowning. You're going to be rather watch Harden shoot 20. You know why? I'd rather watch Kyrie's art. You know, I'd rather mm. watch them do cool, the art, yeah. pretty things and hit awesome shots than watch Embiid fucking sh- shoot 25 free throws a game. On half of them being ticky-tap fouls, the other half being because we have total incompetence at the center position. Both right. of those things will absolutely rob me of my soul. I can't do it. I'd rather watch Brooklyn because I actually like watching Brooklyn. I like watching Kyrie play. Like, they are uh, – it's pretty. It's pretty they're basketball. Good. Yeah, they're good. good. Uh, plus, also, you always have the who knows if two of those guys are going to come up with hamstring injuries in the middle of it. Like the, I feel like the here's mid-series, my thing about the mid series injury factor is higher with that with that team. Here's my thing about that. Even if Harden and Durant went down in the series for somehow, I feel like the Celtics would still get swept. They couldn't even touch this team this year. They played them with Kyrie struggling, missing Durant missing Jalen, but yes, they played with just Kyrie. Yeah. yeah, for some reason, the Celtics haven't even been able to compete with that team this year. So I want nothing to do with them in yeah. terms of like maybe getting lucky round one. But either way, reason, really as you reason. said, pick how you die. I'd oh, rather true. I'd rather lose. <laughs> I'd rather lose to the Nets because the Philly's gonna kill me. Plus, uh, you don't want to get you don't want to give Philly. Who do you least want to give? Uh, that sense of satisfaction to Kyrie for stomping all over. Feels you. like a lose lose, right? Or, fi- lose, or, lose. or Philly, who you've owned all this time, and, and Celtics right. fans have been taking victory laps around them for years the about Philly the process fans are being tough. The process being dead, and Philly's just going to stick it right in their face. You yeah, know? you lose to the Nets, you don't really have to worry about their fans because like, who really, who even is their? Fans yeah, anymore, freaking but, faux yeah. hipster Brooklyn. You Sixer know, the fans just- are tough. They don't, they don't let you forget anything. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, Brooklyn would not be a tough environment to play in. Philly has no. been dominant at home this year. I think they're twenty-eight and seven at home. Um, there is still an outside chance. Milwaukee's playing Chicago tonight, and Brooklyn's playing Cleveland. If Milwaukee wins and Brooklyn loses, Bucks move up to two. Uh, so that's still a possibility, but it's a very slim, slim one. At some point, we probably have to acknowledge that the Bucks are good. I think the Celtics. If you at all of them, you probably pick the Bucks, right? Out of the three. Yeah. Yeah. The Celtics have played the Bucks well this year. They've played them well, but I think also Milwaukee's been playing better in the second half of the season. They've beaten Brooklyn a couple times, albeit with a with a with a with a you know diminished lineup. Um yeah. I, I'm kind of curious on that if that's really what you're wishing for. I think so. Hey, I it's, think it's, it might be. Hey, we're talking about Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. It's that's probably the best out of those three. Yeah. I wouldn't be stunned if the Bucks make the but but the Bucks want to get out of that. Bucks want to get to that two seed just to avoid Miami. Yeah, yes. That six, that three six draw is terrible. But how, Ter- how bad? And I would love to watch Miami friggin' steal it from Brook. That would be a terrific, terrific. That's a, that's a ter- good first round matchup. Yeah. Uh, reversal of fortune. We're there. in for some. Yeah. We're in for be- some really fun first round <clears throat> matchups. So yeah, just none up. of them will involve the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, one of these players that we saw tonight, or today, I should say, uh, is going to be. Uh, I don't want to say important, but they're gonna have to. They're gonna need something for one of these guys, right? So there's one guy, and it's. It's Luke Cornett. Look at that smile. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Everybody drink. The, 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 and uh, unfortunately, how many minutes the loop pause, that little subtle. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that he didn't. Though, Bobby, Bobby, yeah. that quarter, dare I say, uh, a, a young rim protector in the making, almost a couple blocks. I, I mean, I see it. 
Again, I want him back next year badly. This, this has to be in short stints to really to get the most out of it, but it's it's promising. I, I give you that. He has on that end of the floor. He has 14 blocks in his last seven appearances, and we know he's only playing 10. I love Bobby's small sample sizes. The guy what? is four. Not even a, <laughs> the guy's four out of the blocks. That's actually. Guys, that's actually his last five from three point range. He's an eighty percent three point shooter. No, you that's not the same. This guy. That's the same. That's the exact opposite Literally. of that. This is him playing small sample yeah, size and getting right. a ton of blocks, which is actually impressive. That more impressive than if he shot four threes and made three. Uh, so, again, like Joe Sway said, he can protect the rim. He can move his feet. He I can like rotate that. on defense. The problem is, is that he's wide open from three every single time, and he can't hit it, which is actually the opposite of what people were expecting from him. See, that was my problem for Grant in the first half, but then he hit a couple in the second. So I'm like, all right. But he, either way, when he does the fake, which he gets a lot of people with, sometimes it's like you, you have to hit that step-in shot, you know? Like, it's tough because if not defensively, like, you're – you're lost out there. No, but if, if you play Embiid round one, you're going to need Cornette to play a little bit. Maybe it's oh, Taco. Absolutely. Again, I don't know, but Taco, you'll need one. Everyone's playing. All yeah. Those you're not going to be playing Grant against Embiid. Uh, now, meanwhile, if it's Brooklyn, you're not going to play any center, probably. You're going to want to go small and match those small lineups with them. Uh, right. So at that point, it's like, what wing can you pick out here? Could it be Neesmith? Could it be uh, Ojale? Could it be... Uh, three guards with Pritchard. I don't know. But at that point, if Rob's hobbled, you don't want any center on the court against Brooklyn. So those are the kind of guys you're looking at today. Unfortunately, John, Romeo, Romeo had a good game, but just fouling a few key miscues, few misses inside. He just had you're a not few- count on anything from Romeo. But the, I texted you those couple of times. And again, I'm not deluded here. Romeo's not making an impact if they get into the playoffs and play an actual series. He might play a couple of bench minutes if you need some defense on the wing with Jalen out. Sure, fine. Uh, just those moments where he is aggressive, he takes it to the hole. He had that really nice couple, really nice finishes. I just don't know why that couldn't be a thing. You know, his 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 jumper is is not not right and it might never be but or it's you know in development still but i don't know you know bad shape his head's not there lack of focus playing with people who don't like trust him you know i have no idea what it is but it not just two two seasons down the tubes we're gonna go we're kicking it to next year with romeo and a full off season, hopefully healthy, and say, "All right, dude, do something." You know, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't, he's toast. This is, you know, otherwise there's no reason to talk about him. There's no reason to talk about. We him. knew for the most part that was going to happen, John. But we thought it was an audition. The list of, of shit that you hated about this season, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is, the but good news is, he should be healthy. He should be healthy going into next season because he's probably not going to sniff a minute going forward here. So unless. Unless he, you know, falls off a cliff. Just put your mic's a little in and out. But can you check the connection on your mic? I'm getting a couple. It sounds like you're you're hitting and missing a little. You know who else would be interesting for Brooklyn? Jo- Jabari Parker. Jabari yeah. Parker is another guy I'm thinking about when it comes to that Brooklyn series. Again, I know we look at the whole roster that played today and say, hopefully none of these guys are doing much in the playoffs. But if Brown's down, that means one person has to step up off the bottom of the roster. I think we hope it's Neesmith. I don't think he's particularly locked himself into that position yet, especially with his inexperience. Uh, so if you put a guy like Parker at the nine center o'clock. spot and spread his wings around there. Neesmith in the playoffs. Yeah, 9 o'clock. What Neesmith the hell? in the playoffs really freaks me out because of the fouling. The last thing you can do is get into the bonus friggin' four minutes into a quarter because Neesmith, you know, just 
is being aggressive. Like that stuff's cute in the regular season and it earns you minutes because everyone's like, oh, look, he's trying. But in the playoffs, you can't just friggin' run into people, you know, like yeah. you just, you, five fouls every 19 minutes he plays is way too friggin' much. So, so like if, if that's your worry, we're going with semi. <laughs> well, that's what's that's what stinks is you got yeah. if you're trying to minimize damage versus hit home runs. Then I honestly believe if they entered the playoffs and Jalen was healthy, they should have, and they had no rub, they should have cut the cord and gone small and just did their best. Um, yep. You can't do that against an Embiid team, but you could have done it against Brooklyn, and I would have said go for it. Um, I don't know what you do here. You're right. You're trying to like minimize damage, stay in the game, give yourself a puncher's chance. If the, if some shots fall, keep it close enough, and so you need to like not give the other team a ton of. A ton of free throws, a ton of open looks. You need people who aren't going. Well, you wish you had aren't more. Gonna, aren't going to f up. Well, you you wish you had more answers right now. I know most of us agreed that if they went into the playoffs, you don't want to see the experimentation continue. You want to just kind of stick with something and hope to build on it through some ups and downs. When you think about how all of the young guys and the lower roster players ended the regular season, you almost got no answers. Like Neesmith had that little stretch and then he kind of tailed off in terms of production. And then everybody was just playing equal amounts once Brown went down in terms of opportunity late. So I don't think Brad learned anything in terms of stuff he can trust here. It might just go back to Ojeley because he's been here the longest. I'm afraid of it and I've been afraid of it, you know, the whole time. So I don't really know. If, um, if they're going against Brooklyn... You might end up seeing. I'm afraid of like, some. I'm afraid of a lot of Grant, a lot of Semi, and a little bit of Neesmith, which with a really short leash, really short. You know, the best way, the best way the Celtics really stop the bleeding most of the time, though, right? I mean, that's the problem, especially against a team like the Brooklyn Nets. That's sort of been uh, sort of been Brad's binky in a way, but like the other side of that, especially offensively, I think that's what worries everyone, and, and obviously the consistency. I mean, Shemi, sometimes you're getting nothing. Even if, it's even too bad, yeah. Starts like we talked about it before. Like, okay, the 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 start where Shemi comes in and he plays like seven minutes because Brad's like, I, I don't need him. He's not giving me anything tonight. What is this? You his fourth that. season. You, you can't afford that in the playoffs. Like, you, who this. who's fourth season? Oh, shall I? Oh, I think honestly, I think he's been here like fifteen years. <laughs> This is fourth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's forty-two. Now, now, now yeah. that we're getting, that. now that we're getting the playoff time, and you gotta Four. find some guys you can trust. You would have thought he would be that guy. And if he's just right there with everybody else, even though he's been here four years at this point, it, which is so tough. So you're right, John. You can't look at him as that reliable, stable piece because he's just like everybody else. He'll go two for seven from the field and he won't foul. But, but what's that balance at that point? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't envy Brad. I, I don't envy Brad. This is why the fire Brad thing's tough. Like, who is going to manage this well? <laughs> Again, it's not a matter of Parker because you need something to counter that. Like you need some sort of offensive, some something off your bench because when, yes. they, when the when the offense goes stale, like forget yeah. it. They're going to get run out the gym because the defense is not there. You know? Either way, we're getting ahead of ourselves because the they fire win this Brad game stuff, first. Bobby, is based off of mainly look. One is emotional overreactions to just I don't know what I got to blame something. Brad's there you know, let, fire him. There's only one reason to fire him. And that's if we find out after the season that the players don't want to play for him anymore. That's it. Anything, anything short of that, then everyone trying to say, why does he do this? Why does he do that? Who the F else is he going to play? It's a shit. It was a shit season. And no matter who was coming up, it's like, I always compare it to like a baseball bullpen. If you're down three runs and you're bringing in the back end of your bullpen, all of those guys suck. And everybody looks at the managers like, why are you bringing that? That's who I've got. 
I can't pitch the same guy every single day. I can't play my starters 45 minutes. These are the players I have. Every time you, no matter who you minutes. bring in, roll through all of the names. Tell me who makes you happy. Romeo, Semi, Grant, Javante, Taco. Like it doesn't matter. Oh, I meant Javante. Javante. <laughs> they could have used Javante. Every one of those guys, when they would come in, you're like, oh, not that guy. Like it's got to be yeah. somebody. There's just you no, know, <laughs> you know, they all you know suck. What's funny? You know what's funny? The three guys they need right now are Jeff Teague, Javante Green, and Daniel Tice. I know. <laughs> Think how good they'd be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're totally not talking about the seven seed. Yeah. So, no, and again, there's a comment here. Just because he sucks, team sucks, doesn't mean he – I agree. It doesn't mean Brad is blameless. All I'm saying is the main reason – Right now, everyone's pointing to Brad because of stuff like rotations and who he's playing. And the, the thing I mean, there has pretty- been some question marks with the rotations yeah. and guys yeah. he's yeah, turned but to. That- but ultimately, yes, I mean, he, he he has to use with what what he's got to work with. So at some point, your Brad, your Brad blame has to go to Danny blame and so on and so forth. So No, I but we had some saying. of it. No, I mean, we agreed. Like, we wish he did – he was more yeah. consistent. We wish he just said. Oh, he was slow to the guys- decisions too, like the yeah. Rob stuff and you yeah. know things like that. I mean, the, the Neesmith stuff. Like it was weird how players would go from the starting lineup to you know DNPs for like four days and four games in a row. Like yeah. that was definitely weird. Like the extreme swings. I hated that. The extreme swings were something that I think you can definitely blame Brad on. But to, in terms of like who he's bringing in. I think a lo- most of the time he didn't really have a choice. Yeah, there was the random like Tremont Waters game where it's like, why is he in? But for the most part, it's like this is what he has to work with. Now, yeah, he could maybe delegate the the minutes a little bit differently or turn to guys sooner. But overall, uh, I, I I don't know another coach out there that could, you know, make a miracle happen yeah, out of this roster. It's not. It's just whether or not. And again, everyone's saying you know yeah, a lot of things that make sense. It, it is. It, if, Go ahead, Josue. If Jalen Brown, if he's still healthy, though, I think we're having a different conversation, right? I mean, like now it's like, oh, well, yeah, you have to sort of get really creative now because you're, this is this is it. I mean, you, you, you're you losing two uh, big players in your in your starting lineup in, in Robert Williams and also obviously the other all-star next to Jason Tatum. So, I, I mean, that's what I think most Celtics fans are thinking about now. But we can't forget that three weeks ago, we still weren't feeling great about Brad Stevens and his rotations. Like, we still were sort of questioning – uh, his direction and some of these, uh, some of these, sure. uh, some of these games, you know, a lot of it was just surviving the season though. Like, yes, they could have locked it down and just played the good guys extended minutes and try to win all these games. But Yosa had to try to find something. And Yosa had to try to make sure everybody didn't crumble the pieces pieces as they ultimately did. Anyway, that was the biggest thing with Rob. I and mean, we screaming more Rob, more Rob on here forever until finally they did. And he <laughs> fell apart. So I, a lot of the stuff, that people were yelling at him for actually came to fruition when push came to shove with those things. Brown Look, got hurt, got off at, at increased burden, Tatum wore down because he was playing every game. Rob ultimately crumbled as well, just because they were relying on these guys too much. Say it, say it with me. Jalen going down was a blessing. blessing. It's a blessing. <laughs> um, again, it'll it, it's going to save a lot of people. It, I, I don't know if it's going to save jobs, but it's going to um, sure. It's going to put that scrutiny to rest. My conspiracy theory is that maybe Jalen could have probably played through it, but they were like, you know what? Take one for the team. If you go, if you go down for the season, we're all off the hook. So what do you say, bud? Have that surgery. That's how they handled Romeo's injury. If it's the same exact injury, he played with it. 
And then they were like, okay, we're not going to use you anymore. So we'll just have the surgery now. It was a decision. Like, we're not going to play you anymore anyway. So surgery yeah, and it's it a t- It's a timeline thing too, because next season is going to start pretty soon after this yeah. one ends. Yeah. Uh, so you want to be able to... You want to be able to have them ready for next season. And they say three to five months, which if it's the long end of that well, thing, it's going to go right in the training they camp. Said, the, the team said three. They didn't give a yeah. reason. They, they said they, three they months. Gave, they, they gave the short end of the uh, projection yeah. there. So that would be on. great if that's what it ends up being. But even if it's at its worst, it will go right in the training camp and he'll be ready for that opening day, which is a good decision there because you don't have the deep playoff run in this team. This Which, comment's hilarious. What is their what's their record with Robbins the starting lineup? Go ahead. Somebody. It's I don't know, but I know really it's really good. good. It's like, like eleven and three. It's like starting Rob, in fact, actually oh, close. Ten and two, something like that. In fact, yeah, Mar, the only take a thing lap, to, Mar. In fact, the only thing proven to have worked that Brad did all year was starting Rob. It's the only thing that gave them results start to finish. Only combat right. only yeah. only lineup move he made that actually bore fruit right away. Right. Starting Rob. Yeah. But and yes, if he thank didn't you. If you get hurt, he would have stayed in the lineup. Thank you for that comment. Eleven. That's and actually that's Josh actually true. That that's the only thing. And we were and when we talk about slow to react, yes, screaming that from the it. mountaintop. So what are we doing here? Start him. Start him. I mean, start him. And, and I mean, he got very, hurt that multiple was times. Very slow. To, that was like historically slow to react. If you have to go Insa- back to history books, insanely, insanely, arrogantly, stubbornly slow. Like five like percent of the season. But it's crazy when we were losing our minds saying, what is he doing? And all right. of these excuse, well, we're trying to blah, blah, blah. Jeez, it's not excuses. Yeah. He got hurt twice after it happened. Okay. That's what one, happened. One doesn't mean the other though. The degenerative hip thing is what hurt his knee and sprained his toe. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 Seriously. Well, Come on this, guys. This is He's what just the, injury the... prone as a whole. He might be, but even honestly, if he is. Being in the starting lineup or not doesn't no, make him more no, or less. Not you're going to hurt yourself playing 18 minutes. You're going to hurt yourself playing 25. It's not a wear and tear. No, but remember, he, when he started, he was playing, still playing like 23 minutes. And you guys were like, ramp it up even more. Get to 30, 35. Let's keep going. But the point is, he was playing like 14 for the first like third of the 16. year. Yeah, and they so was working like, great. He was very fresh. It was not he was working them great. A ton. They suck. Bobby, Bobby, we did a double bid lineup for like twenty five games. Well, I didn't good. like that. <laughs> it was horrible. It was trading. Yeah. Well, trading Tice was good in that sense. I'm actually not with like the oh they should have kept Tice after all people because that was actually the right move ushering Rob into the starting lineup with that move the money ball thing that we talked about. I think that that's a ridiculous thing that people are saying and sticking to. What Absol- the- Tice was not traded so Rob could play. Tice was traded so Wick could save a dollar. That's yeah. it. There is no ah, absolutely the two goal, the two no goal. way that one's tricky. A good player. Just right. to give, just so Brad would play Rob. That's the dumbest no thing. Well, no, but that one, saying that. that that's not what happened. That one's tricky because it's not that all. Oh, Wick would have to pay three million in tax this year. The twenty six or so that he would have to pay next year would have become like fifty, and it really would have. No, hurt. it's a huge yeah. bill, but I yeah. don't want to hear the. It was. I'm not saying he was wrong. I'm saying that they could have done it other ways. Strictly a money move. Strictly a money move not to play Rob. That's a that's that's absolutely incorrect. Well, you know what's not good is because Tice the... was clearly, if not their best, their second best big. Yeah, I mean it's obvious. And when we were clamoring for Rob, all we were saying is it wasn't Rob over everyone. It was just less Tristan. It was Tristan plays the small minutes against bruisers that you want him to come in and bang, and and Rob and Tice get the majority of the minutes. Yeah. That's all we were saying. See, the so tough... getting rid of Tice sucked because he was useful. And he's the a t- more reliable defender. 
you know? That Thompson signing, that's going to be, when we look back on this year, we, I was so excited for Jimmy, a little less so, but still excited was, for it. And, you know, ultimately that put them in such a tough position right away. I think Ainge said on the radio last week, we didn't compete as well as we should have out of the gate. And that's where you start to actually get away from the injury excuses and other stuff that came up later in the year. Their start wasn't good enough. Uh, after that eight and three stretch there. And that was because you introduced this thing in Thompson where even though he was hurt, even though he wasn't playing well, even though he had a tough time getting integrated, you still had to favor him and show concessions to him and put Tice out of position and really just put the roster in a spot that they are in a style that they weren't comfortable playing in. So that, that signing more than anything else, put them in a really bad position to start this year. And, Again, that's where you start to look back on Ainge. Did he fix things as the year went on? He tried to. Who knows if he did? It ultimately didn't work this year. Maybe it works next year. But his offseason was bad outside of the draft. The two signings he made, Thompson, Teague, were just absolute disasters when they needed to really contribute right away. Well, what's funny is a lot of a lot of Ainge's, like, you know, a lot, a lot of the takes burying Ainge had to do with back-to-back 14 picks being busts. But I think now, when, with Neesmith playing a little better and showing promise as someone who could theoretically be uh, useful, um, then that changes a little. So two things Ainge did midseason. This is what's funny about it. And like That's why I can't look at an offseason for Ainge and be like, fire him. You know, that, that, <laughs> no. that's, silly. that's silly too. Ultimately, is he capable? Is he smart? Does he make the right moves when they're available? You know, uh, does he, is, can he recognize talent? Is he bringing people in here? Like, look, multiple free agents came here, which was a big, which was a big deal. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he swung two franchise altering trades, which most team, most general managers will never have one trade as good as the, the one that got Kevin Garnett and Allen here to make that team. But the one that ended up with Philly, most people will never make that once in their life. He's done it twice. You know, and then three with you hit on Romeo, hit on Romeo. And you hit, if you hit on Neesmith and Pritchard in the spots that you hit that in 2019, one was really in, the top in a week one. draft. That's fine. So you're burying him for 2019, but yeah. So, but now he makes a pretty good deal in Fournier, which helped the team this year. And those draft picks look a little better. All of a sudden, the Ainge at the beginning of the year, there was a whole lot of Ainge hate. I think it it changes the the, the, the it changes the equation for him a little bit. Uh, he's yep. not blameless. I think the consol- not consolidating assets when he should have earlier. Maybe not recognizing Jimmy and I. Jimmy will agree here. A thousand percent trade deadline with Kyrie Irving. We were like trade him, and everyone's like, you guys are crazy. We're like, no. He's not coming back. Trade him. You know, like mm-hmm. Rozier, trade him. You know, if you're not going to bring him back. But they just he sat there paralyzed, deer in headlights, hoping for something to happen that clearly wasn't going to happen. He didn't read the tea leaves on the Kyrie situation correctly. That one hurt. Not consolidating assets. Waiting for that big Anthony Davis friggin' thing that never happened. Yeah. All of that was bad. That was bad. Because you should have just – this isn't going to work. Danny. We got to go on to Plan B fast, you know. Don't let Plan B happen to you, and and he, and he let a couple things happen to him, which hurt. Facts. Yeah. yeah. The Kemba trade, though. I mean, he lucked out there as well. I mean, if he was unable to flip that, can you imagine? What do you bring back Rozier? I mean, some Celtics fans would like yeah. that. Yeah. You don't know. It, it wouldn't have. Oh. That it didn't work been the out worst well thing at all. In the world. No, wait, I mean, wait, no, I it, it worked that? out well right away. Yeah, but it, it, look, I mean, it, we're in the end of year two. I think we can all agree that if you go, if you go back in time, you wouldn't do that. That was I don't think it's that easy. Was, no, I, I mean, you had a legitimate, you had a legitimate. Ten that, but, no, ten times out of ten, you still do that trade. Yeah, I, because you I, had I, a legit you? chance to win it all last year. Back then, 
you know, Hayward is coming. coming no, I'm in. saying knowing what you know now. No, you wouldn't do it if you knew what you knew now. Definitely I think you not. would. No. You had a real chance to win it all last year. Doesn't matter. That's not what you're, you're not playing. No GM, play, nobody, no general manager plays for one year ever. You're always playing with an eye on the future. You never do it. You don't sell out for one year because there's no certainties. This notion that like, I've got a chance to win it this year. They don't work. They don't work that they way. They might. Yeah. But once you lose Hayward, you do it at a sudden. trade deadline when you're going to give a shit ton of assets for that one player. You think you'll put you over there, but when you're right. team building roster building at the beginning of a year, and you're never thinking piece. about this year to sign a guy to a four year deal. Nobody does that. Yeah, I think Rozier's a much better trade piece for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's not even a question. Yeah, there's also, flexibility there. But again, I think you're a worse team probably. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Rozier. I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter now that you're the seventh seed. But... Rozier's doing his thing, man. If anything, Rozier's impressed, he is. Me, impressed me more than, you know. It, it, all depends, it, it all depends on what you want. Could he make you the five seed? Sure. But he wasn't. He, he him committing to him as part of your core isn't pushing you closer to a championship now could he be a piece toward that that's definitely the it case. all depends you're talking about when rozier got his deal coming off the year he had everybody was like wow who would pay him that right. that's a steal right now okay so yep. again when you look at it and say 20 million bucks for the for what rozier is doing Absolutely, you know, and he's a bigger guard. You're not worried about him defensively the same way you are with Kemba. Kemba in the playoffs, you know, he's going to get eaten alive. He's had, you know, and it just is what it is. Like, you know your limitations with Kemba. You've also got the age. You've also got the injury. Like, you would go back and undo that deal in a heartbeat if you could. You're not saying that Rozier is the building block, but Bobby, you're talking about giving Fournier literally everything he wants. You think Terry wasn't worth $20 million versus Kemba's 35 Of course he was, you know? So, yeah. That's a tough right. one. And then uh, maybe, maybe say, you could keep Hayward maybe too at that point. I don't know. Also got to say uh, regarding Ainge, uh, we do have to uh, we do have to mention we still don't know what happened in the offseason and whether he played a game of chicken and lost. That also could be a big blemish <sighs> that one on his makes, record. That one makes people very mad. Because <laughs> that, one, that one made me really mad at the beginning of the season. Um, so it is what it is. But that game of chicken, I think, cost them uh, yeah. potentially. We're, we're, we're kind of past that one, though. I know, but I, that one's tough without really having a full autopsy on the situation. I don't know yeah. how that went down. Um, right. Let's tell people real quick. Uh, probably ten comes up, man. Probably ten minutes or so. We're gonna head over to locker room, Jimmy. You want to be the one to join me this time early? And let, yeah, let, sure. Okay, Jimmy and I'll head over. Bobby and Josue will follow up a few minutes later. Um, jumping on the locker room, we want to hear your thoughts on the Wizards matchup. Um, any end of season stuff. Uh, the stuff we're talking now, we're going to keep chopping up, obviously, long after the season is over. Um, but, you know, it's hard not to talk about now because here's where they are. They're 36 and 36. They finished the season at freaking 500. They're the seventh seed, okay? And they're playing for their playoff 500 lives. 500 team. Bobby, your take on the 500 Celtics. Because in the beginning of the season, I Anyway, join us on you. Locker Room. Download it. Join us. Yeah. We'll talk oh, about it. Right, yeah. We'll talk yep. about it. I guess yep. I should ask you on Locker Room, but... Well, I think now's a good time. We should wrap up the show. Let's go back to our preseason expectations. And now, now here they are, 500 team. I know there's injuries, COVID, you know, you know, not really showing up as, as often as they maybe should have. But, I mean, this is, I would imagine you guys all agree, a, a, you know, disappointing record here, to say the least. Yeah, it was, it was a collective failure by everybody involved. It was Tatum and Brown getting better as playmakers, but not quite being what they needed them to be. It was Kemba 
getting back, but not always being available. And it was Brad not figuring stuff out, not making the younger players better, things we sort of maybe expected him to do. And it was Ainge, all the things we just talked about. So we always looked to point at one person. It was really everybody involved. Smart, not having the best defensive season you could have imagined, but he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Brown, I thought, was disappointing defensively. And ultimately, when I look back on my preseason projections, I had them as a home court team because I thought they were going to be the best defense in the league. I thought Thompson was going to solidify that. I thought they had all the pieces to be elite on that end. And it was the complete opposite from day one. And in fact, I don't think we ever saw them get close to even being a competent defense this year. So all the excuses are valid, but there's deeper stuff there too. And and that's where I keep coming back to the players. When everyone's like, how are you going to blame Tatum and Brown? They had their best seasons. Again, this isn't friggin' Stratomatic. It's not friggin' it's not stats only. That's not what we're looking at the team had a bad defense not because Tristan was disappointing or just because Tristan was disappointing the two best players Tatum who is an outstanding team defender and a very engaged defender and he wants to be in Jalen who has the capability to be a lockdown on the ball defender both decided that they weren't really going to give it their all this year that's a fact okay and and the team and these are the leaders of your team and they did not set an example and that's why I keep coming back to them which is it's all fine and good to score your points but are you laying it on the line, showing everybody what you're willing to do to sacrifice on a nightly basis? And are you making your teammates better? I thought they failed at both of those things. So when I slice up my blame pie, I come back to those guys because they have it in them based off of their talent and ability to be better, better for the team, not better individual players. You'll look at the stats and be like, they were awesome, but I don't think they did what they needed to do for this team this year. And that was, that's a look in the mirror sort of thing. You come back fresh with a longer off season and time to kind of take stock of all of it. You could have two totally different guys who mature, who they they could mature three years in one off season after this year and be like, okay, now I kind of get it. I get some things. I, I I have a different perspective. I don't think they had the right perspective this year. No, that's a good point. That, that that's really good, John. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these two have to establish a culture in this in this team in this you know in that locker room. And I also think Marcus Smart injury that, that was that was huge too. I mean, looking back on it, to, to it was have someone there to to constantly uh, at least implement how important the defensive side of things is, especially in the Eastern Conference and especially just overall the the, the team that we thought was going to finish top four, top five, wherever you guys thought. I think we all agreed at least no no lower than five, right? I think we all would have we all agreed that they would be a top ten defense. They were far from that. And yeah, Marcus yeah. having Marcus Smart has a lot to do with that from an individual standpoint, but also he's sort of that muscle, that anchor on that end of the floor. When and when he's not out there, Tatum and Brown had to have been those guys. But I, I think, yeah, to John's point, they were they had their eyes on the prize on the offensive side. You know, they were like, listen, we, we, we're eating over here. We're, we're the top uh, scoring duo in the NBA. You know, I, I think that they thought that, that a lot of that was going to push them through throughout the season. Of course, that wasn't the case. There's a sense that the whole program's broken, though, and that everything here is on unstable ground, which I don't agree with because I think all the excuses are valid. You've said it, Jimmy. Like, this is, or it was John or Jimmy who said this. Like, Brad's a practice coach, and he had about seven practices all year to start fixing this stuff. They the game for like five and seven days. And when you have guys hurt, when you have guys come back from COVID, that makes it even harder yeah. to 
fine ground here. And again, this wasn't Grant getting hurt. This wasn't Semi getting hurt. This was Tatum, Brown, Rob, Kemba. Those yep. guys were in and out all year. So the excuses are valid. I know no one wants to hear it after a year like this, but all this stuff, this whole weird season that they had here, it gets everybody an extra pass. And when you say it's a convenient excuse, the Brown thing, John, I don't agree with it in the sense that I don't think it would have gone the same way if everybody was fine all year. Like, I don't think they would have been the seventh seed if they didn't have all these excuses. Um, but at the same time, it does reflect other stuff yeah. going wrong that people aren't going to face consequences for, which they I probably do, shouldn't. I do want to point out a lot of people, a couple of people in the chat are saying things like, well, they're the best players. Name a lot of name other teams, you know, best players who are also good defensive players. There's a freaking lot of them. Okay. Last year's first, all, all te- you know, first defensive team was Giannis, Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert. Yes, they are among the team's best players. Second, second team: Kawhi Leonard, Bam Adebayo. So give me a break that they. And you know what? Because, give me a break just because you're stars, you can't play defense. Of course, you can friggin' play defense. That's why. That's why they call it two-way players. It doesn't mean now that I've arrived on the offensive end, I'm going to slack by 30, 40 percent. There, you either you're about that or you're not. And so you have this, to do both to win it all. You, do. you have to do both. You can't just be like I'm. These guys play the defense now. I just score. You do that, and you're cooked. Team's never gonna. Team's never gonna get ahead that way. And on top of that, they you're aren't good. At, no, they aren't. There's another one. There's a lot of them out there. They you're aren't fine. good enough to take defense off yet. They, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like they're all stars. I, I get it. Or at least you know I can see Tatum ascending to that level. But they're not at that point yet. Yeah, Jalen Brown's not good enough to just not play defense. He doesn't give you enough on on every other facet of the game where you can just say, oh, "I'm a superstar. I'm going to take games off." And the names that you just listed, John, and those are all superstar players because they because they do play it both ways, and they and they they do, you know, have that ability on both ends of the court. So it might not it might not seem sometimes maybe it doesn't seem like they're putting in as much effort because they might make it look more effortless. But they are extremely good two way players. The Celtics as a team aren't good enough to just rely on offense. They just aren't. They need to play both sides. They need to play defense. And yep. Brad Stevens is that type of a coach. He's been able to get. He's been able to get average players to play above their pay grade or above their, you know, what people expect yep. out of them because of the effort and because of what they do on both sides. As soon as that stops, there's not enough talent on this roster to just get by playing offense. And that's why when you just look at a player, when you look at Tatum, you look at Brown, you look at, you know, these stats, oh, it's like, wow, these guys had much better numbers this year. They, you know, everybody improved. It's like, well, no, actually they didn't because they didn't play well as a team. They weren't connected on defense. They didn't really step up when they needed to. So it's very like yeah. it, smart it, had a down year too. Exactly. It's difficult to just look at the stats and say, Oh, they all had better years. How mm-hmm. come they're a 500 team? Well, it's cause they didn't have, you know, they didn't play better together when they were out there on the court. That's really, you know, what it comes down to. And like, yeah, they missed time. But when you're looking at their games played this year, I mean, I look at T- Jason Tatum, 64 games, Jalen Brown, 58 games. Um, you know, these guys didn't miss the majority of the season. So while you can use injuries and COVID as an excuse, don't act like, you know, the Celtics were without their star players all year because they were in the game way more often than they weren't in the game. Yeah. And they played mediocre. And again, yes, they missed a lot of people a lot of times, but most games were missing one guy, which right. a lot of teams do. And it's again, the amount of double, we, we talked about this and we were talking about it on the text thread. I mean, they were down for in 40 of the 72 games or somewhere close to that. They, they, they trailed by double digits and they trailed by 20 more than 20 times. That's, that's a, crazy. That's a freaking disgrace. Okay. Yeah. I don't, that's if, unless you're telling me, 
unless you're telling me Jalen Brown is a is a tw- is a plus twenty over replacement or Kemba Walker is a plus twenty over replacement, that should never be the case with this team. You know, like I, it, it, regardless of their 